The following message was recorded live at Three Strands Church. We hope it will bless you, encourage you, and challenge you in your journey of faith. We'd love to pray for you or answer any questions you have. Message us at threestrands.church slash contact. Lego Masters is one of my wife and I's very favorite shows. Uh, If you don't know me well, uh, I do have an extreme hobby of Lego collecting and Lego building. Uh, Some people, even my wife, would call that an addiction, but I I try to keep it with hobby. But one of our favorite shows, we'll sit down and we'll watch Lego Masters, and it's incredible to see how people come together to form these massive creations. They don't have any directions, they just come together, they sketch it out, and they create an amazing creation. And they they pull people from all over the country and all over the world. A lot of these people are siblings or even just uh, random people they met on the street that were interested in Lego, and they became friends over that. They they had a common interest in Lego. They became friends, and then they worked together to now move to this competition to try to win $100,000 and the title of Lego Masters. And it got me thinking, what really makes a good friendship? Because during this show, they, they, they put them through so many different type of challenges that have a lot of stressful elements. Uh, there's a lot of emotion throughout the show, crying, joy, all types of things. And together, they grow together as a pair. So what really makes a good friendship. And on the, uh, on the opposite side of that, there's some teams that don't work well together. What makes a toxic friendship? Today, I want to look at what makes a good friendship and what makes a toxic relationship, but I don't want to stand up here and give you my opinion. And I don't want you to just shut out here for a second and you already say, oh, I already know what a good friendship is or what I already know what a toxic friendship is. I want us to both dive into God's word to pull some principles, some building blocks that we're able to use to, in order to make a solid, good friendship. And I also want to use God's word to see what he says about toxic relationship today. We're going to dive into a story found in the Old Testament, and we're going to see the principles pulled out of this story. Now, to give you a little context of what's happening, David is our main character, and he was a little shepherd boy, and his father sent him to take food to his brothers who were fighting the Philistines. And many of you know this story of David and Goliath. He went and he trusted in God. He used some stones and used his sling and killed Goliath for the Israelites. He killed him. And everybody around him was not willing to fight him, but he was. And after he kills him, he goes back to Saul, and that's where our story begins. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, For Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off 
his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. And so there's a lot to unpack in these first four verses. First, after they had, after David had killed Goliath, he was on good terms with Saul. You could even call them friends, even though Saul is the king. David was talking to Saul, and, and, and Saul was so happy with what he did, he even made him a commander of his armies. And David now met Jonathan. And who is Jonathan? Jonathan is Saul, the king's son. He would be the heir to the throne. And he would have been about the same age as David. And they had a lot in common right away. Some of us may have experienced this immediate bond. When you start talking to somebody and realize they have the same college football team. They also like the pumpkin spice latte. They also love Lego. See, you have that immediate bond, and then you start talking, and you start giving things about your life, and and they start giving things about their life, and you start talking, and that's what is happening with David and Jonathan. They have an immediate bond. They have a lot in common. And Saul is saying, hey, listen, I don't want you to go back to being a shepherd. So I'm going to have you stay in the palace with us. You're going to be a commander of my armies, and you're going to stay here. Now, what's interesting is Jonathan and David are still having this conversation. They have that immediate bond, right? But then they start talking about what their friendship is going to look like. Now, see, Jonathan was devoted to God. He had a relationship with God, and he knew he had plans for David to become king. Now, Jonathan is the rightful heir. Remember that. So Jonathan took a step back and made a commitment to David. He made a pact, a covenant, or a promise of saying, hey, I'm going to stick by your side. I'm going to be friends with you no matter what happens. I know God has a plan for you. And see, we're, we're able to pull our first building block out of what David and Jonathan are doing right here. They are committed to each other. They make a commitment. Great friends are committed. You can write that down. Great friends are committed. And what's happening here is what, what commitment looks like is they're setting up boundaries. They're setting up goals for their friendship, saying, hey, I'm going to trust you. You can trust me. I'm going to be loyal to you, I'm going, and you can be loyal to me. They're setting up after that immediate bond. They set up a commitment with each other so long-term their relationship can stay strong. Nothing has happened in their relationship yet, but they're sitting down and making that commitment to one another, and that's very interesting. And on top of that, Jonathan takes off his robe and gives his robe and armor to David, saying, listen, I know God has plans for you, and I'm going to support those plans because I'm now committed to God and I'm committed to you. And he's giving this, symbolizing that David will be king one day. And now they, now they have this solid friendship. They, they've created this solid friendship, and now they're committed to each other. See, a lot of us in today's age will have that immediate bond, but it's rare, and I know it's rare for me as well, that we will sit down after that immediate bond and have a conversation about being committed to each other. 
we usually just continue to have very light conversations about our interests. And eventually we grow closer to each other. And eventually we start giving more and more of our life to them without having that commitment. And that is going to be very harmful. And we'll see why that is later. Now, meanwhile, the city's going crazy. They, they just defeated the Philistines. They're making up songs. They're singing like Saul has killed thousands, but David killed tens of thousands. Well, guess what? Saul heard that. Saul started hearing these songs, and that ticked him off. Why, why, why David? Why is everybody praising him? I'm the king. I should be getting all the credit for it. But instead, no, they're, they're praising David. That's ridiculous. And so David was also a harp player, and he, ha- he played the harp for Saul every day. And we see in Scripture that God sent a distressing spirit over Saul. Now, what this, this can translate to is it was temptation overwhelming Saul of jealousy or anger. See, God wasn't making him angry. God wasn't making him jealous. He was allowing that temptation to come over Saul. It was up to Saul of what he was going to do with that. And Saul was just pacing around and like just irritated while David's playing the harp, trying to calm him down, trying to like relax him. And Saul's just walking around and he just happened to be holding a spear as well. And he turns around and he just chucks the spear at David. So he allowed the jealousy to overwhelm him and he gets so angry, he just chucks it at him. And David is able to get out of the way. And right when David moved, Saul realized God was with David. And this made Saul very afraid of David because he knew God was with him. And Saul didn't really understand what he should do next because he just tried to kill David. So he just doesn't know what he should do. How how is he going to kill him if God is with him? So So he gave David a thousand men and he's like, listen, if I can't kill you, in the back of his head, if I can't kill you, then I'm just going to send you off and hopefully somebody else will. So he gave him a thousand men and it's like, go, go fight my battles for me. And he did. And David went and he fought and won again and again and again. He never failed. And that was frustrating to Saul. And eventually David came back and he was like, maybe if I give him my daughter and marry, marry David and my daughter together, then I can have a closer relationship with him, and maybe we can just be on better terms again. And, and that, that worked for a short time until the Philistines were again trying to attack. And eventually, Saul just kept sending David out again and again, trying to get him killed. See, Saul had a good relationship with David at the beginning. And then it kind of got uh, toxic. And then he tried to work it out himself a little bit with David and, and tried to make that friendship or that relationship good again. And again, he, still in the back of the head, his head, he still wants to just get rid of David and kill him. And it's frustrating. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 4. This is where we're going to catch up back with Jonathan and Saul. The next morning, Jonathan spoke with his father about David, saying many good things about him. The king must not sin against his servant David, Jonathan said. He's never done anything to harm you. He has always helped you in any way he could. 
He's always helped you. And so Jonathan understands Saul is trying to kill him. Jonathan understands that Saul is trying to kill David. And he's, he's like, listen, David is my friend. And I don't understand why you're trying to kill him. All he's doing is trying to help you. Why are you trying to get rid of him? He's only benefited our kingdom. See, this is the next element. This is the next building block. See, what, what happened is Jonathan stayed consistent. He was committed to David, which led him to be consistent for David. Because the trials have now begun. Saul is irritated with David. He, could, he, he just wants to get rid of him. And Jonathan could have backed his father here. He could have backed Saul and said, hey, I'm going to help you kill David because if we get rid of David, then I will eventually be king. He had every right to do that. And on the flip side of that, Saul could have just killed Jonathan too. He could, even though he was his son, he could have just got rid of him if he was going to be helping this David. But no, we see Jonathan stayed consistent to the commitment that he made to David. And notice it said in the verse that he only talked about good things about David. Do you imagine if everybody in this room went out after this service and only talked good about others behind their back? what that would look like? Because we're so used to our culture, we're going out and we hear about other people talking bad about us. Imagine if our culture got shifted because we went out and started talking good about others behind their back. That's not a very common practice. And when you do hear somebody talking good about you behind your back, it makes you feel good because it's a positive Thing. And this is what Jonathan was doing. He was staying consistent to that commitment. He didn't buckle under the pressure. He didn't let Saul just overwhelm him. And, and in fact, Jonathan convinced Saul, like, listen, you do not need to do anything to him. He's done nothing. Like, get on better terms with him. Like, just be friends again. And Saul eventually is like, fine, you know what? Maybe I was being a little ridiculous. I'll try not to throw a spear again at him. You know, like, okay, I, I get it. That's maybe a little ridiculous. And some time passes that we see in the story. But eventually the Philistines come with a major army and try to attack Israel again. We just had this in the last chapter. But the Philistines are attacking again with a larger army. And again, we see that Saul allows David to take his armies and go defeat the Philistines again. And you better believe that David won, and David was the hero again. And Saul, of course, started hearing about he's a hero again. And he started getting frustrated. And turn with me to chapter 19, verse 9. But one day when Saul was sitting at home with his spear in hand, the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him as David played his harp. So again, this distressing spirit, this temptation, this anger, this jealousy came over Saul again. He was good with David. They were on better terms. But again, this, this spirit just came over, this temptation, this overwhelming anger, jealousy came over Saul 
And again, he's just holding his spear. He likes to do that a lot. And he's just holding his spear, and he just chucks it again at David. It just repeated itself. He was good with David. He was bad with David. He was good with David, bad with David. Some of us would call that a toxic friendship. When you're good, when you're bad, you're good, you're bad. And he chucks the spear at him, and again, David moves out of the way. And this time, David flees. He heads to his home where his wife is at, and his wife is like, listen, you got to get out of here. Saul is probably going to be sending some more men after you. Uh, you just need to get out of here. And, and sure enough, he does. He heads out to a, a nearby town called Natham, and and Saul, sure enough, sends men after uh, his household, David's household, and he wasn't there to be found. But I want to pause here in our story and really focus on toxic friendships. We've already got two building blocks of a solid friendship when you're committed to each other and you're consistent with each other. But I want to pa- pause and just talk about toxic friendships. And for that, turn over to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Now, this is Solomon, the wisest man to live in the Bible besides Jesus, writing this. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. Now, this seems like a very simple passage, but we really need to dissect it because when we walk with the wise, we do become wise because we're able to learn from them and we're able to learn how to become a better person. But the flip side of this is what we really want to focus on. When we walk with fools, then we will get in trouble. Now, that's not saying if we walk with fools that we will become a fool. Because right here, this is where we all usually take a step back and be like, well, I'm the exception. Because I'm not going to be foolish. What is a fool? A fool is somebody who knows what is right and doesn't care. And they do the opposite. They don't care what is right. So if somebody is in financial trouble, a fool is going to sit there and you're going to say, hey, listen, You can't keep doing that or else you're just going to find yourself in a really bad place. A fool's not going to be like, oh, thank you. I will change everything. I'll change my whole life around because you told me that. No, 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 no. A fool is going to be like, yeah, I don't care. I'm going to live my life how I want to. So a fool doesn't care about themselves typically. And so If a person that you're friends with doesn't care about their own marriage, doesn't care about their own job, doesn't care about their own finances, then you better believe they're not going to invest into your marriage. They're not going to help you get that promotion at work. They're not going to help you sit down and make a budget. They could care less about themselves, and they could care less about investing in you. But see, the second part of this verse, if you hang out with fools, you will get in trouble. Again, we are not becoming foolish if we hang out with fools. Okay, that's not his point. That's not Solomon's point here. He's saying if you hang out with fools, you will suffer the consequences. If we hang out with wise, we will reap the benefits of it. But if we hang out with fools, we will suffer the consequences of it. 
I know people in my own hometown that have suffered other people's consequences because they chose to drink and drive. They chose to go to that party because they told me they're not going to take a drink. They have enough. They, they don't need that drink. They won't fall into temptation. They're just going to go hang out with those friends one time. They're not going to lead me down a bad path. I, I am wise enough not to fall into it. Again, Solomon's not saying that you're going to become a fool. Solomon's saying you're going to suffer the consequences of it eventually. If you hang out with people who don't care about their marriage, you better believe over time you may find yourself not caring about your own marriage. If you hang out with people who hate their job, complain about their job all day long, then maybe you will eventually say one complaint, which leads to another complaint. And eventually you will suffer the consequences of hanging out. With fools. It's a crazy thing to think. And as I'm describing this, you may have some people coming to your mind. You may have a name, a person that you're, has come to your mind of where, man, you just have hung out with them and you have already suffered the consequences with being friends with them. But see, remember how we talked about earlier when you have that immediate bond with somebody, you start throwing your life at them. And they start throwing your life at them. But notice, David and Jonathan paused after they had that immediate bond. They paused and they made a commitment, setting boundaries of saying, I will trust you, you will trust me. Having goals of when trials will come, I will stay consistent to you. And they sat down and made that commitment. But what happens if we don't sit down and we don't make a commitment commitment with somebody. We find ourselves three months down the road realizing that they have so much information about us and we have so much information about them, but yet they are still going out and talking bad about you. And, and, and they are making up stuff about you that never even happened. They're calling you every day now asking for some more money because you feel like you made a bond together, but you're still on phase one of that immediate bond. You've never made a commitment. And what happens in our culture today is when we get so stuck together, we feel like we can't just break that relationship off because we're so stuck. You're stuck in that relationship. You've already invested too much time. It would be, you would be a horrible person to just walk away from it. But I want to encourage you. To, uh, Lego created this, this little tool. It's called a brick separator. And what happens is when you're building a set uh, and, and you put two pieces in the, uh, together that don't work or, or that aren't supposed to be together, uh, sometimes they get so stuck you can't just pull them apart with your hands. You have to use this little orange tool, and you have to separate those two bricks by using that, only using that. And I hope today that this may be that wake-up call, that this may be the moment where you use this tool to realize, do I need to take a step back from that relationship? Do I need to completely separate myself from that relationship? 
Because Solomon is saying, listen, you can continue being friends with him. Absolutely, keep going to that party. Don't say you're going to drink. Go hang out with those friends. I know you're not going to smoke. I know you better than that, right? But no, no, no. You can take this moment today. Use the brick separator. Now, there's a line under those notes that you were given today. There's a line under that brick separator. And as I, again, as I was describing this, you may have had a name or face come to you. And I encourage you, just write a name down. That name. Write that name down today. And I'm not saying, I'm not standing up here and saying, hey, you just need to cut off all your friends. Don't talk to anybody again. No, 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 no. No, Solomon is saying, if you continue to hang out with fools, you will suffer the consequences. So he's asking us today, are you going to choose to be wise with what friends you are putting around yourself? So I encourage you to write that name down and pray over that name today after the service. Pray over that name and say, God, do I need to take a massive step back out of that relationship? Do I need to just start pulling myself back just a little bit? I've noticed some consequences that have already started to begin. So do I need to sit down and just like separate? Or, or do you need to completely remove yourself out of that friendship because you know those consequences with other people around them have already suffered a lot? Do you want to be in that same boat? Your life will be determined by the quality. Your direction of your friendships. And Andy Stanley does an excellent job talking about how we need to put up boundaries. That when we talk about that commitment part, we need to talk about how we need to set up boundaries so that way we don't run into these issues down the road. So that way we don't have to have this wake-up call once in a while. We are already using God's principles of being committed, being consistent, and building that foundation. So again, I want you to pray over that name after this service. And we're going to jump back into our story where, where we're going to catch back up with Jonathan went and found David in the nearby town in Nathan. And he said, hey, listen, you can come back to the palace. I'm pretty sure Saul, you know, he should be good to go at this point. And David, I'm sure, was like, dude, are you kidding me? Have you had two spears thrown at you? Like, are you, I'm not coming back there for a while. And Jonathan's like, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. I know if he's going to kill you, he would tell me. And I think David was like, no offense, man. I trust you, but I do not trust Saul and his spear. Okay? So here's what we'll do. The moon festival is coming up, and the moon festival was around three days. And David was always at Saul's table at this festival. So David was like, listen, I will go and lay in this field, and Jonathan, you go back and tell him that I'm going to be doing a family sacrifice uh, with my family in Bethlehem. And if he gets outrageously mad about it, then we'll know he'll still want to kill me. But if, he, if he's okay with it, then maybe we're good to go. And Jonathan's like, okay, but how are we going to show each other like, what's going to happen? And David's like, okay, if you bring a bow and, and, a, and a boy with you, shoot the bow at some rocks. And if you tell the boy to continue to go get the arrows once he starts running, I'll know that I have to get out of here as fast as I can. But if he goes on, if you say, hey, just grab the arrows on the other side of the rock, 
then I'll know it's okay to come back to the palace. It's safe. I'm not going to get another spear thrown at me. And so, okay, Jonathan heads back to the palace, and he's eating the, the first night of the moon festival with Saul. And Saul doesn't really think too much about it. He's like, oh, David's not here. That's weird. Uh, maybe he's ceremonially not okay today. Uh, maybe he'll be back tomorrow. So he doesn't think too much about it. But the next day, Saul asked Jonathan, hey, where's David? Because he's always here during this festival at my table. So where's he at? Jonathan's like, well, he asked permission to go to Bethlehem to do a sacrifice. Oh, and Saul was ticked. He was ticked off, boiling with anger. And he was like, listen, this is unacceptable. And guess what? It just so happened he was holding a spear, right? So Jonathan's sitting there. Saul raises his spear, just chucks it at Jonathan, his own son. And Jonathan's able to move out of the way. And, he's, and Jonathan gets up and walks out angrily. He's like, are you kidding me? My own father just threw a spear at me. I now know for sure that he does still want to kill David. And he honestly wants to kill me. And so Jonathan goes back and finds David, and he's like, listen, and he shoots the arrow, and he tells the boy to keep going to get the arrows. And right away, David knew that was the signal for he is going to have to just flee. He's going to have to get out of here. And so David and Jonathan get up, and they start talking a little bit. Now turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 42. At last, Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and our children forever. Then David left, and Jonathan returned to the town. So it's interesting here, if you didn't catch it, they were talking about their friendship. They were talking about the commitment they made how they stayed consistent and are still staying consistent to each other. And if you didn't catch it, if you're not a Christian yet, it looks like they have stayed positive. Great friends are positive, and they've stayed positive through this whole situation of Saul killing, not killing, killing, not killing, David. They've stayed positive. That's true. That is so true they have. When you've been around somebody who's negative, they just drain you. We've all experienced that. That may be the person that you wrote down today under that brick separator. That may be what's causing it. Their negativity is draining you. But notice David and Jonathan never allowed negativity to get between their friendship. They stayed consistent. But the key part I want you to know here, for those who are Christians, those who do follow God, great friends are centered on God. Great friends are centered on God. It is hard in this culture to stay positive. But as Christians, we're able to stay positive through our friendships because we know we have hope in eternal life one day. And Jonathan had a solid relationship with God. David had a solid relationship with God. And they put God in the center of their friendship. And 
what that does is that allows them to grow together in their faith separately, and it allows them to grow together in their faith together. They made a commitment. They stayed consistent. And they were centered on God the entire time throughout the story. Again, if you're, if you're not a Christian, why we have hope is because God sent his only son to die on the cross in place of us for our sins to, to wipe them away. We're saved by grace. David and Jonathan knew this, this little bump in the road with Saul trying to kill David is just a bump in the road. They had greater hope in what there was to come eternally. Yes, they were positive, that is true, but they had hope on top of that positivity. And so God is telling us through his word, these are three major building blocks to a solid friendship. Making a commitment, staying consistent, and being centered on him. Because these building blocks, if you didn't notice, were put to the test throughout the whole story. Most of us in our culture today may have given up already, may have given up after that one bump in the road. But David had multiple bumps in the road throughout this one story, and yet they chose to stay together as friends because they knew they had built that commitment. So since they had that commitment in place, it was easier to stay consistent with it. And because they were staying consistent, even if they, they were weary at any moment, they knew they could rely on God himself. They were centered on God. So today, I want to encourage you. After you leave this church service, I want you to really evaluate each and every one of your friendships. How were they built? Were they built on an immediate bond and, 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 and you just threw each other information and eventually you just found yourself hanging out with each other in, in, in a living room, sharing nothing that is positive. And then you find yourself a couple months down the road, you realize this is really not a friendship I really signed up for because you didn't have those conversations. And I'm not saying that's too late for all your friendships. I'm saying evaluate each and every one of your friendships today. And if there is a friendship that you really want to maintain, then use these building blocks that God has given you. Use the wisdom from the wisest man in the Bible besides Jesus. Use the wisdom. Because it's so true. We know it's true, but we always think we're the exception. And we're not. Evaluate each and every one of your friendships. And then again, pray over that name that you put under that brick separator. Pray over it. Say, God, what should I do with this relationship? He'll help you. And, and if none of these building blocks were used to build that friendship, that may give you a good insight of where that friendship is, is at today. And now moving forward, when you create new friendships, because there are some people you may have to cut out today. 
And as you move forward and you create new relationships, use these principles, use these building blocks to create a firm foundation so when the trials come, they will be by your side with God. God will be at the center of it. You will be right next to your friend. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful time that we just get to dive into your word and learn how we can use these building blocks to form solid friendships. So that way, when when the trials come, we're able to realize that we have a friend who is committed to us, who's consistent, and who is centered on God. Those are solid friends that we can rely on. And I pray over each and every one of those names that somebody has written down today. I pray over each and every one of those names that you give the people in this room the strength to realize that they may need to take a step back. They may need to just separate themselves so that they stop using that time in a negative way and use it for you. Because we all have a mission. And I pray that as we continue to make new friendships, that we will use these building blocks to make these friendships solid. And hopefully make these friendships eternal. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What an amazing challenge from God's Word for all of us. We hope you will start putting everything you've learned in this session into practice. And be sure to subscribe to the 3SC podcast so you'll never miss any new content. Thanks for listening.